Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Big to Healing Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera. I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. It is great. It's great to be here. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great to be here. Check, check. We're here. Yeah. Amen. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, this is your first time tuning in. We are studying the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but here at Christians with Torah, we basically believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant for Christian believers today. Amen? And that includes an emphasis on the Torah. And so for the first four years of this podcast, we did the Torah portions, which is a weekly portion of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And we took a portion of it each day, or each week, sorry, and we did that for four years. So there's four years of Torah portions that you can go back and listen to if you're interested in, like, say, this week's Torah portion. Uh, you can, can go and listen, which I think this week is, is Yitro, right? Jethro. I think so. I think, up. I think it is. And so you can go listen to that last week being Beishelach, and, you know, before that, I think Bo. And you can go back and listen to the Torah portions if you'd like. But as I mentioned, this season... Uh, season five, we have been doing the Gospel of Matthew. And for the past two weeks, we've been doing our series on the Olivet Discourse, and part one being verses one through 14, part two being 15 through 28. And today we are going to finish up chapter 24 and go through verses 29 through 51. Yeah. And let me tell you, this is 22 verses. There's a lot here in all so, of 24. Yeah, so I'm going to start reading. Uh, this is titled After the Tribulation. Okay. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Wow, okay. So, as we've been going through Matthew 24, there's been a lot of, uh, let's say, eschatological doctrines. Eschatological. Eschatologicals, right? Eschatology being the study of the end times, prophecies of the Bible. And, or I guess the study of the end times in general, because I think other religions have eschatology, so to speak. Um, but if you remember when we started out in Matthew 24, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. And then he talks about the signs of the end times. And he says that these signs are what? The beginnings of sorrows. Right. Right. This is just the beginning. We're just scratching the surface. Then he talks about how many will be offended and betray one another. And he talks about lawlessness and love growing cold. And he says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And then he says that the gospel will be preached to the ends of the world, and then the end will come. And then he tells us what the end is going to look like. He describes the tribulation. Right. right? Temple he, Mount. Which this is, if you remember, 
the, on our part two section of the Olivet Discourse, we discussed how the parallels with this section of scripture and with Maccabees in the story of Hanukkah and how there's a lot of similarities and how right. it even says, whoever reads, let him understand. Obviously, we think that that's pointing towards a right. reminder to the Hanukkah story. But now, as we're jumping in, you know, we, we talked about how when the return of, of Yeshua happens, that it's going to be very obvious to the whole world. That's lightning flashes from the east to the west. Right. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Right. right. And it also talks about you know warnings of false prophets and all that. But here's where we get to next. And this is interesting because as I look through this, I'm looking for uh, what does Yeshua say about the rapture? You know, not to bring up controversial topics or anything like that. <laughs> but the catching way is we know this is going to happen, right? We know because we can read. First Thessalonians chapter four as well, right? right? Um, and so we we are pro rapture. Would you say you're pro rapture? Sure, I am pro. I, I believe we'll be caught up in rapture. The harpozo, right? The catching away right. that is then in Latin turned into the rapture, rapture right. or whatever it is, right? But here we go. Verse twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation. Okay, so we talk about the great tribulation, and then now we get to immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened. That sounds like a big deal, right? And the moon shall not give her light. Astronomical signs. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Wow. So it is possible that this is entirely literal language. The stars perhaps referring to a large meteor shower. Others take it as a mixture of literal and figurative language. And still others take it entirely figurative, pointing to political judgment on nations and governments. Wow. Now, I think that this is one of those cases where like how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. If this is figurative, then is the whole Bible figurative? Can I just like make up whatever I want? I don't know. You know? That's a good point. So, the argument in favor of figurative interpretation is that this verse echoes possibly figurative language about heavenly disturbances in the Old Testament prophets, such as Isaiah chapter 13.10. Do you have Isaiah? 13, yeah, 10? Isaiah 13.10. Let's hear that. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Now, in context, wow. those verses don't sound very, like, figurative to me. It says the burden of Babylon. Well, in, in 13, he's yeah. talking about the end times. Yeah. And then Yeshua is saying, hey, immediately after the tribulation of those days, you know that prophecy from Isaiah? It's going to happen. A figurative, yeah. I mean, and then, of course, we've got uh, Isaiah 34.4. Yeah, let's hear it. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved. And the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. Mm. So that's actually uh, some verses there. I still don't hear anything figurative. I hear, you know, like uh, this comparison, right? Yeah, so figurative is not literal. Correct. That's what I'm saying. I don't hear anything figurative. I hear all literal stuff. Hey, this, this, this stuff's going to fall from the sky. Like the figs fall from the tree. What about Ezekiel 32.7? Do you have that? Ezekiel 32.7. Yeah, and I'll grab Joel and Amos here for you. Ezekiel 32. Closer, uh, closer to Joel and Amos. Ezekiel 
Ezekiel 32, 7. Yep. Now, Ezekiel, I could understand being figurative because, like, most of the book of Ezekiel is figurative. Right. Because it's object lessons. And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. Mm. Well, Joel 2.10 says, The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. And then Amos uh, 8.9 says, And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will uh, turn feast in the morning, yada, yada. You get the idea. So it sounds to me like we have one, two, three, four prophets <coughs> plus Yeshua saying that at some point the, the sky is going to be darkened, right? The sun's going to be darkened. The moon won't give its light and all these things. So those... Right, because I want to say it is possible that this is entirely literal language. Right. With stars perhaps referring to a large meteor shower. So there's the literal and there's the figurative, yeah. Right. And so those arguing for a literal interpretation point to biblical accounts of actual darkness in Exodus chapter 10. Yeah, we don't have to go there. We don't, but that's where uh, yeah. the plague of darkness that's on Egypt. right. Right? God right literally the, made... the death of the firstborn. Right. God literally yeah. made the ninth plague. He did. That was, that was literal. He said darkness that you could almost touch. Yeah. Right? That you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It and was then, darkness when Yeshua was on the cross. And then, yeah, Matthew 27, 45, when, when Yeshua passed. And, uh, and then the, the sky was darkened. So, again... We're, we're right there seeing these things. So then it says astronomical this. signs. Wow. Then it says this in, in Matthew 24, 30. And then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Wow. What is the sign of the son of man? Is it like the bat signal? Except like with a cross? Sign of the son of man. Like do we shine it up in well, the sky? Well, you've got to go through all these hard times. So you've got plagues, you've got earthquakes, you've got the birth pangs, you know. As we try to achieve 10 centimeters, you give birth to something, yeah, which is the return of Christ. Well, it so, says, so we, we, the sun's darkened, the moon doesn't give its light, the stars fall right. from heaven. But then it says, and then shall the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Wow. So okay. you have some astronomical signs. Yeah. And then another yeah. sign. But what is this sign? It just says, the sign of the Son of Man. I want to hear that. If you're it's in the, him. I, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I think it's, I think it's him in the clouds. Yeah, it's him. It's like, oh, there he is. It's the sign of the Son of Man. What's that? It's him. He's the sign. And think about it. All the verses that go with that. Mm -hmm. Remember, they will look upon him whom they pierce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They will see his. Yeah. It's in Zechariah. Yeah, that's right. So after the tribulation, the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Now, the word tribes here is the Greek word phule. And it means an offshoot, race, or clan, or kindred. And uh, the Thayer's Greek lexicon describes it as a tribe in the New Testament. And all persons descended from one of the 12 tribes, uh, or the 12 sons of the patriarch Jacob, a race, nation, or people. Yeah. So it looks like in Greek, tribe means tribe. Remember one of the letters, I think it's James, he writes to all the tribes that yeah. are scattered. 12 tribes scattered. Nations, people. That's right. So I think they had an idea that Gentiles would be grafted in. Or oh, yeah. Or become one with them. Well, what choice do they have? Right? I mean, they're scattered. So as we witness the restoration and regathering of the whole house of Israel, Ephraim and Judah, this includes all of the tribes. Yeah. All 12. Right? That's it. So here, keep going. 
uh, in verse 31, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. I don't know about you. That sounds like a rapture. Does that sound like a rapture to you? That's his elect. Well, and of course, his elect here is not his elect from the previous verses. This is just the Jews, right? Because no, we're already true. raptured out no, before the tribulation. I think that's a, I don't think that's right. <laughs> you sure? The elect in the Greek means believers, non-Jew and Jew. It means the chosen elects, right? It means the chosen. Elect, yeah, the, it could be the Gentiles. Yeah. If you look it up in the Greek. Right. But it, it's used, and in certain places people interpret it one way, and in certain places they interpret it another. And, and trumpet can also be mentioned as a voice. Mm -hmm. A trumpet can be a voice of God. This is true. The sound of a trumpet, you know, Al hurt. Right. So the first time that the word trumpet is found in the Bible is in Exodus 19.16, when God married the children of Israel and gave them the Torah. Yeah. So this is our, our law first mention. But remember, there were astronomical signs. Absolutely. Thunders, lightning. Yep. So here we have an astronomical sign. Yeah. Well, and if you remember that also there was a cloud that covered the sun to protect them. Right. So this is describing kind of the same same idea. Now, one interesting thing um, about the trumpet being blown over the people of Israel at Sinai in Exodus nineteen sixteen is it's a marriage covenant that is happening there. So God marries the children of Israel. Right. right? He makes a covenant, a marriage style covenant. Um, and in those days, marriage covenants are more of a business transaction. I think people put some, some things on it, but it's not uh, when they do it. But the, the you know traditional Christian doctrine of today is that the church is the bride of Christ. Have you heard right. this? Yes. You've heard this. Good. Well, I find it interesting that the church is the bride of Christ, but somehow Israel is not the bride of Christ. Have you, have you looked at that at all? What was that against the other again? Well, the, so the theologians today, when they study eschatology in you know, kind of the mainstream Christian doctrine, will say that the church is the bride of Christ. Yeah. Okay. And I know where they get it from, right? I know that there are verses in the New Testament that talk about, you know, like we should love our wives as Christ loves the church. Right. Right. Uh, I understand that. That's not, I'm not passing it off as if the church and right. believers in Yeshua are not part of, of the bride. But I find it more interesting that we have overlooked the fact that God marries the children of Israel and the children of Israel, right. that Israel as a nation is the bride. Right. Okay. And that we become part of the bride. How? Because we become grafted in to Israel. You follow? Right. Very interesting. So, right. That is interesting. Now, <clears throat> for the climax of this section, I think, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Famous verses about the catching away of the saints. And it says this, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, that's a powerful verse. Oh, man. A set of scriptures. Let me add this to this, because mm -hmm. I, I, I haven't really put it all together. So would you say that at Mount Sinai there was thunders and lightnings? Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Are there astronomical signs after the tribulation? Yes. But we're also adding to the astronomical, or like being a meteorologist, what's going on, lightning and thunder and rain and wind, right? Wind, rain, lightning. Mm -hmm. Now, Now what about the astronomical signs that 
at the first coming of Yeshua. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that... Let's add that to our well, well, yeah, but I'm just saying in Zechariah 9, 13, and 14, it says, When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man. Verse 14, And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. This sounds familiar. I know. Yeah. So Ephraim and Judah have to come back together. Oh, are you sure? Ephraim's the arrow, Judah's the bow. I mean, I'm just saying when that it's right there. And, and the whirlwinds of the south, lightning, yeah. It will be, be a celebration. celebration. So this Thessalonians, uh, Church of Thessalonica, man, that's powerful. Notice you got the shout, the trump. You got President Trump. <laughs> I mean, really, the last Trump, right? Yeah. Burning Bush, yeah. Bush. <laughs> I know it's funny, isn't it? All right, so we're moving on to Matthew twenty-four thirty-two through thirty-five. It's your turn to read. I, I get read. to expound on the fig tree. Yeah, you enjoy that because I'm excited yeah. about the next Let's section. Do it. <laughs> oh, that's right. All right, Let's so switch. now, now <laughs> learn a parable of the fig tree. This is Matthew thirty-two through thirty-five. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. All right, so let's just jump right in here. I'm not going to read it again. It's all about the parable of a fig tree. So a moral lesson is being taught here. A moral lesson. So we're going to break it down. Some scholars would say that the fig tree can be likened to the Torah. In the parable, it talks about when the fig tree putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. The leaves represent the Torah. We can see today that the Lord is currently writing Torah on minds and hearts. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, and Hebrews chapter 8, Verses 10 through 12, okay? So think about that. To know that summer is near indicates a season. We know that Yeshua fulfilled the spring feast along with Shavuot, and he will fulfill the fall feasts. There will come a time when we will celebrate our last summer on this earth, and then Yeshua will come. Mm. The season of summer is so critical and a time to get ready for the fall feast. This all makes sense if we all just really look at it, okay? If Yeshua fulfilled the spring feast and Shavuot has been fulfilled through giving of the Torah and the Holy Spirit right now, then we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the fall feast will be fulfilled by Yeshua. Mm -hmm. the, sign of the, Torah's, <clears throat> the sign of the Torah lets us know that the time is near and there is a current generation witnessing all of this. Okay? So when the Torah comes on the scene, you know that there's a revival. And with that comes a judgment. And... Uh, and I just want to say that, uh, let's just look at this way. When Yeshua says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, he is not only saying this in regard to all of his words in the Bible, but the Torah as well. Remember, Nathaniel was under the fig tree and Yeshua saw him. That's right. Lastly, in the Bible, figs are likened to the people of Israel. Now, going back to the Torah, likened to the parable of the fig tree, and closing here, while well, Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves after sinning. Genesis 
And they say they're very itchy. <laughs> I know. It's good to know. There goes your imagination. <laughs> but Stop it, imagination. I know, I know. <laughs> What's that stuff you use for, for itchy rashes? I don't know. Who invented that? Hydrocortisone. No, something. No, it's like it's a calamine lotion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, my last thought on that section of scripture is this. When the Torah shows up, it's a sign in the earth. Yeah. Okay. So we're witnessing it. Even in the chosen of the roundtable discussions, they're talking about the Torah, how relevant it is in different things and given viewpoints. Now, if King Josiah did not have the Torah and they found it and they brought it to him and he read his clothes and everything, like, what were they doing? Well, the same things we were doing. They weren't doing Torah. Yeah. So that was in 609 BC. So we know that judgment came in 586. So just do the math. Between 609 BC and 586 BC, you had a form of uh, restoration. Yeah, like 25 years, right? Something like that. You can do the math. I'm going to add it up. 35, now, 35 if Yeshua years. is the Word made flesh, he is the Torah, just like it says in the Chosen. I am the Torah. I am the law of Moses. I am the law of Moses. Now, what's cool like about Judge that. Dredd, I am the yeah, law. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so. If that's the case, in 3380, Yeshua ascended to heaven, suffered, died, was buried, and sits at the right hand of the Father. It's 3380. And now all of a sudden, 7080 comes along. The temple's destroyed. So what I'm throwing out to everyone is that Beit Tehillah is in our 23rd Torah cycle. Judgment's coming. Mm. Judgment's coming. I hear you. So I want to... That's my food for thought. Make a quick parallel between what he says here... And what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. We said in the Bible, things are likened to the people of Israel, right? I said that. I think I? you did, yeah. Jeremiah 24, verses 1 through 10, and Hosea 19. We don't have to go there, but the, in the Bible, things are likened to the people of Israel. So, interesting. I don't want to misinterpret that. You know, prophecy is a private interpretation. Right. But as I put this parable together in layers, like it's a fig tree. You see the figs, you see the leaves. Here's summer. And well, I would say this. will not pass away. It's like we got to put all that together and think, okay. A basic cursory reading of this passage would let you realize that the same way you know the fig tree is ripening, right? So Israel became a nation. Hang on. Just hang on. I don't, I don't think it really has much to do with the fig tree itself. Not, not on a cursory reading. Obviously, we can get much deeper into everything and there's layers to these right. things. But on the surface, what he's saying is just look at it. it says when its branch is yet tender and put it forth its leaves you know that summer is not okay so he just gave us a bunch of signs and he says so likewise ye when you see these signs and these things right know that uh, that uh, it is near even at the door so he's just saying like hey just like when the fig tree is is you know getting ready you know that summer is coming when you see these signs happen yeah. so he's just making a parallel to something that they would understand timing so there's, I think, a lot more. We, we do so many dives into the fig tree itself, and we lack just the basic understanding of all he's saying here is you have these signs are going to happen, and then you'll know what's coming. And he's trying to teach a moral lesson. Just like when you see the fig tree right. is uh, yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is not. Now, when he says this, he says, couple things here. He says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. There's controversy over this verse because the people that he's speaking to are obviously all dead and those things didn't happen. Right. Right? 
But here's what I would say to that. What he's saying is the generation that sees the signs he's referring to, that generation will not pass until all of the things are fulfilled. Right? It's going to happen in a generation. Right. That's interesting. Yep. And then lastly, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Now, I don't even see this in my cross references, but like it is the only and first thing that I thought of. What do you think of when you hear that? Anything come to mind? Any cross references? No, no. good, because I don't think I don't think the people that put together the Bible, uh, my my cross references did either. I go to Matthew five seventeen through nineteen, and here's the reason why. Jot and tittle. That's right. It says, "Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled." So what's happening here is he's saying that the old order of the Torah, right? When heaven and earth pass away, it will pass with it. But his words, which I thought maybe the Torah was his words, right? Will not pass away. You see? That's good. It is. It's interesting how, That's very good. how we, we, we put these two together. Very good. Um, and now, please, if you would read verses 36 through 44. The time of Christ's coming is unknown. Oh, yeah. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Um, think about all the distractions right now. People Gosh, so people can do spiritual exercises and they wonder why they're where they're at. People are they so can't, distracted. They can't no relief. Wow. People are so distracted. So, a couple things here. Uh, first, we have to make the statement. Yeshua is 100% God <clears throat> and 100% human. Yeah, I like that. All right. So saying that only the Father knows what, uh, when he will let his Son return is showing honor to the Father. I see that throughout. Yeah. Know, I, my will be done, but your will be done. That's right. Good so I want to make one quick cross-reference uh, to Luke chapter uh, 17, verse like uh, 34, I think it is, through 37. And it says this, I will tell you that in the night there will be two men in one bed, and one will be taken and the other will be left. A little cross-reference. Mm -hmm. Two women will be grinding together, the one will be taken and the other left. And then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So they want to know where are they taken, right? They want to know. Wouldn't you want to know? Yeah. Because we're just assuming, oh, it's a good thing. One's taken. Woo! Yeah. Collected to the four winds, right? Because that's right. what he was just talking about. But it says, this is what Yeshua says. He says, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So I'm trying to then 
take this cross-reference back over, because you remember we just heard this at the end of the last uh, set of scriptures that we read, where he said, for wherever the carcass is there, the eagle will be gathered together. So now we have this twice, right? But kind of separated out. It sounds, it sounds to me like the carcass of these people will be out in the field and the vultures will be eating it. Like they'll be taken somewhere where the wow, you know. So I don't quite understand it. So give me some comments on this. I'm I'm sure that you know someone out there has some better. Uh, That's what I'm saying. You know, study time on that. I would love to hear That's from you good. and let me know. But I think this culminates here. You put a bullet point here last night that I was very happy with. You know, I like this. I like this bullet point. This next one because there's some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and you wouldn't think it, right? Most people wouldn't think it. Um, so I'm going to get myself... And it ties into what? Oh, man, it ties into everything. God rules. Oh, boy, does it. The kingdom of God. So so let's let's start here. So it says, When the disciples asked Yeshua in Acts 1.6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Yeshua responded in Acts 1.7, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own power. So... I want to just take a quick stop here because the importance of these verses can't be overstated because I think our dogma and our doctrine as Christian believers has taken these verses and flipped them right on top of their head from Acts. So I want to read just the very first couple verses in Acts before these verses. And it says, it says, the former account I made, and this is Luke speaking because he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and then what was he doing during those 40 days, Pastor? Preaching the gospel. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And he talks about John the Baptist. But then verse 6 is where we picked up. Right. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him. And what did they ask him, Pastor? Did they ask him... Hey, are we going to be in the new Jerusalem now? Or is there going to be like some super yeah, spiritual yeah. stuff going on? No, no, no. He says, they say to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So. The father is going to restore again the kingdom to Israel in the future. So but, it's but, happening. We see the larva stage. Listen. Think about it. The Hebrews movement, right? So I've read the commentary by John Calvin. On these verses, are you familiar with John Calvin, the Calvinists? Right. Sure. He wrote a lot of predestination. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he wrote all those stuff besides predestination. Gotcha. Okay. And in his commentary, John Calvin basically says that this is the dumbest question recorded in the Bible. Let's not pick on the Christian. And I would say, au contraire, John Calvin, <laughs> because I'm thinking, all right. So these men, these are the men that God. Handpicked. Yeshua handpicked all 12 of these men. That's right. They spent three and a half years with him, being taught by him and ministering side by side with him, and even being sent out to preach his word, and have basically started the movement that we continue today. Okay? These men. <clears throat> and after 40 days of him being on the earth in his resurrected form, with them, teaching them the things about the kingdom of God. Right. 
they come up with one question. And that question is, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So my question is not, why did they ask this question? My question is, why are we not asking this same question? That's a good point. Is now the it's time? Full circle. Is now the time? I and mean, we should be like pestering Jesus. That's what the kingdom of is God is. Is now the time that time. you're going to restore the kingdom it to Israel? Time. It is time. I believe so too. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's See, why here, we're here today. Here's the thing. If we are asking this question, is now the time? So if we're, if we're focused on that, then we're not going to be like the people in the next set of verses. Right? Because the next set of verses say this. It says, but as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What's the similarity? Well, there's a lot of people that have made some similarities to it. But it says this, for as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So there will be people that will be caught completely Business unaware. Business as usual. That Yeshua will return and they'll be like, oh, what a surprise. And we'll all be like, are you kidding me? Have you not seen the signs? Well, we also have to keep in mind, we won't expound on it, but I guess we could go into a couple verses. I, I would like to say that to switch gears. Sure. Can we honestly say there's a lot of demonic activity on our earth today? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in Genesis 6, 4, just to paraphrase this, there were giants, right? Yes. They were the sons of God, came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children. Nephilim. Which created the Nephilim. That's right. Okay. So think about that. Now, now, 2 Peter 2, 4, and 5, if you could read that. And according to the what? The book of Enoch, the the demons that walk the earth today are the, the, the trapped spirits of the Nephilim, right? Right. Oh, yeah. You said 2 Peter? Yeah. On my way there. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. 2, 4, and 5. All right. It says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So let Scripture interpret Scripture. So there was some fallen angel activity oh, yeah. going on there, the watchers. And, and it happened. They left their first estate, and Noah's mentioned. Right. So there you go. So Noah was the righteous man with the, with the human race that saved them. And in Jude 6, we have this. And the angels which kept not their first estate, or principality, uh, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, other flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So remember, there was this activity going with angels being with humans. And so when the angels came to Lot's house and he brought them in, the people were like, hey, you know, we want to have intimacy with those angels. We want to know yeah, that. Right. Yeah. So so there's the example uh of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, but also the fact that angels left the first estate. And it's the mystery of the seed. Right, the seed of Satan. How can Satan have seed? The woman has seed. How, how can this happen? Well, there's a lot of people that just, again, as, as part of our greater conversation about when do you take the Bible literally and when do you take it figuratively, they would say that all of that is figurative. And I would right. say, well, that's weird because right. there's all these other examples in the Bible where right. this happened. 
why so, would it be figured so now? this is just something to think about you know marrying giving and marriage this is business as usual mm-hmm. you know i mean i was just amazed you know, I, I spent so much time at the church at home that when i go out it's like an adventure <laughs> so it's like would you went, consider yourself a homebody Probably, yeah. <laughs> so I decided to take my girls out Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, to the Foxtail Coffee House. Oh, nice. And there's a burrito place next door. There's a fitness place. There's another place where you get ice cream and you can get like sandwiches. It's like Italian, you know, they got meatballs, raviolis, kind of thing that I could take out kind of thing. You can eat in there too, though. Where was it? The where Italian is it? Foxtails where? On, it's on 301, across oh. from the McDonald's there. Oh, yeah. But anyway, great coffee. So, and then there's a Wendy's, and I was just thinking, it's like this, you know, there's just so much to eat, so much to do. Yeah. You know, so I bought me this big, like, breaded ball of meat and tomatoes and cheese. It was like real big, and you cut it out and put it in the oven. Nice. And they had some fried raviolis that I got to go. Oh, sweet. But it was just like, I was just looking at all the food, and I'm like, there's just so much to choose. Like from. Italian heaven. Yeah, it was like they made all different kinds of sandwiches, all this stuff. But it's like even today, you know, if you get on Highway 60, how many places are there to eat? They call oh, it like Junk Food Alley. Oh, yeah. But but anyway, uh, business as usual. So how are we being preserved in the ark? Yeah. How are we saving ourselves? you want to continue on? I do, I do. What was going on too? Yep. So then shall two be in the field and one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall well, be grinding go, in the you, you do that one bullet point. We missed that one. What What is it that we also have to remember that the days of Noah, uh, the wickedness of man was great, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually? I mean, think about how much of that is on television or in our face or in social media or the culture. Horrible, nasty, gross stuff. It is awful. A lot. It's awful. When you you go out, you see things, and you're like... It's hard to go out. Yeah. It's like, why do I have to explain these craziness to my children when I I go out, you know? I know. But you got to go out, you know? You got to go out. Um, all right, so then shall two be in the field, story. the one shall be taken, the other left. The two women will be grinding at the mill, the one taken and the other left. And so the statement that one shall be taken and one left may indicate that one is taken away to final judgment, while the other remains to experience salvation at Christ's return. Or, possibly, the one who is taken is among the elect, that the Son of Man will gather from the four winds. In verse 31. Now, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, Yeshua is likening it to two different kinds of people. He says in Matthew 13, 30, let them both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. It seems in this parable, the tares are removed first. You don't want to go first. And if I cross-reference this statement again with Luke and then the whole carcass and the eagles being gathered together thing, I'm really thinking that it doesn't sound good to be the ones no, taken first. You don't want to be taken first. Yeah. Doesn't sound good. But I would say that when Yeshua talks in a parable like this, it's possible that this is actual figurative language and that we can be like, ah, there might be some grace and some room to interpret this one. You know, like That's how do we interpret it? That's true. I have to work on that. So 42 and 43 say this. This is, uh, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. So watch, check it out. Watch. Watch Hulu. Watch Netflix. Hmm. Watch YouTube. 
This word is Gregoriu or Gregoriua. It means to keep awake, to watch, literally or figuratively, to be vigilant, be watch, or be watchful. Wow, think about that. And what do they say about woke? Uh, yeah. Woke? Yeah. Who came up with that? Well, it used to that be. That means you're sleeping. Well, it used to be. Are you woke to false That's lies. the point. You're not asleep. Right? Not asleep. You're woke. So, again, being awakened. What a play on words. Yeah, yeah. Being awakened used to be a good thing. That's the problem with, like, the language today. You know, they, different left and right, they steal, like, words from each other and they become, they take on new meanings. Just like the rainbow flag has become the LGBT sign. You know, it's like, come on. You know, obviously that's not what that is. Right. <clears throat> Quit fooling yourself. But same idea with words like woke. You know, it's supposed to be that I'm awakened, so now I'm aware. Right. <clears throat> but they become so woke, right, that they, you know, you, they can't even live a normal pragmatic life. Oh, I see. I get it. Yeah, I'm not really studied that cultural phenomenon. It is definitely a phenomenon. <laughs> The woke agenda. So, so then here it is. Discuss why the concept of being prepared and ready as the bride is important. Okay. I want to look at it like this. You continue in spiritual exercises. Bible reading, prayer, and worship. You know, um, I spend a lot more time with Bible reading and prayer right now. I, I listen to, to, to worship and things, but I haven't personally like worship because I'm like a season of the word and prayer. Uh, it's not how you start, but how you finish. Okay. So think about the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it started in the early 80s, this, this movement. And now look at where we're at. We're what, 43 years later? Where are we? Interesting. Mm -hmm. There have been some great strides. Uh, it's not how you start, but how you finish. Now, Paul the Apostle is a good example of someone who is ready and watchful. That's right. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course or race. I have kept the faith. Amen. Wow, that's powerful. I just want to be able to say, Lord, I did what you told me to do. Amen. And that's, I can say that assuredly, even today, right now. Lord, I'm doing what you want me to do. And that's, that's where I'm at. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we have a great cloud of witnesses around us. But it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Mm. So we won't find satisfaction in the world. We're only going to find satisfaction in him and what he wants to do through us and to be that vessel. So that's what I have as far as that goes. How do we know if we're ready? Well, you got your priorities straight. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. You know, it, it, sharing that really allowed me to say, is it a priority? And then, of course, you've got, uh, you've got the repentance part of it, right? And to come to him as a child. So you have these little parts of that that, that make sense about the kingdom of God. That it's actually a realm. Basilia. And so that word is powerful. That it actually means a realm to reign, to rule. And that's what God wants with us. Yeah. It, you know. Now, the name Israel means to rule as God. You can look it up in the Strong's Concordance. What? I'm supposed to rule as God. So, therefore, I'm, I can't mistreat you. God's not going to mistreat people. Yeah. So, I can't mistreat you. I can't do what I want. I rule as God. Right. Almost so like in his place. I don't eat pepperoni pizza. I rule as God. Yeah. I don't do dating. I do betrothal because I rule as God. 
Right. Right? When I'm offended, I go to my brother. I rule as God. I don't drag his name through the mud and create Lashana Ra. No. No, I deal with it, right? That's how you rule as God. You, know, you confess the, the Son, and the Son will confess you to the Father. Right. So that's my little rant. So I think about being prepared as a bride and making yourself ready more as who you are than like prepping. I think of people like, oh, well, as long as I can like be a prepper, you know, but you'd want to be a prepper when it comes to certain things. Like if I want to stock up on something, I want to stock up on oil, right? Because next week we're going to talk about the foolish virgins. Yeah, we are. And they had oil, but but they ran out. They, they ran out. They didn't have enough. Yeah, yeah it sounds gotta, like milk in my house. You got to stock up, you know. But again, I think it's more about who you are than it is about like how you're going to get yourself prepared. How do you get yourself prepared? Well, you become the, the person, right, that God has called you to be. That's that's how you prepare. So, so it's my turn to read. And no, you're going to no, take. It. I think it's my turn to read, and then you take it. Oh, okay, cool. I think because I just took like the whole like last section. Oh, that, yeah, you're doing so well. I just yeah. kind of went to like a no, another it's round. Good. It's all good. We're gonna. I'm gonna read verses 45. Faithful and unfaithful servants. That's right. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Man. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My lord delayeth his coming. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, so this word faithful. This word faithful, pistos. Objectively trustworthy. Subjectively, trustful, to believe, sure and true. That's what that word is. Jesus gave certain details about his return, not to stimulate predictions and calculations about when he is coming again, but to warn his people to be constantly vigilant and spiritually prepared. We must be diligent in spreading the gospel and living according to God's word. Jesus wants us to spend the weight taking care of his people, and doing his work on the earth. This is the best way to prepare for Jesus' return. Knowing that his return will be sudden and unexpected, we should not live irresponsibly, doing nothing or seeking selfish pleasure. We have plenty to do. Will you be ready? Now, I hope so. all of a sudden now, but if... That evil service will say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and just start doing bad things. Doing his own thing, yeah. It seems we can all start out as a faithful and wise servant, but over a period of time, we could become an evil servant. Oof. Not good. We could not only begin to mistreat those around us, but even fall into sin surrounding ourselves with unwise associations. Now cut him asunder and appoint him. His portion could be translated, severely whip you send you off to the judgment. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is used to describe despair or even regrets. God's coming judgment is as certain as Jesus' return to earth. So prophecy is not only about future events coming to pass, but what are people doing in the last days? Amen. There will be two kinds of people in the last days, 
Number one, those that are fearful. Number two, those that are encouraging those that are fearful. I want to be that one, the second one. You know, I mean, think about it, Ryan. You've got to really discipline yourself. I'm 55 and I realize even with my phone and my life and my interests and my pleasures that, man, you can just be a consumer. Just oh, consume man. the heck out of everything. That's for sure. Music, food, drinks, this, that. I mean, and I was just thinking, you know, what do we want to be filled with, you know? That's why I love the daily bread, to be filled with that, to think about the Torah portions. You know, now Matthew outlines, now I'm into the kingdom of God. Sharing about living in the kingdom of God, the Shabbat, you know, just little parts that are really encouraging and inspiring is what are we filled with? You know, one of the battles I think that a lot of us are going to have, and, and, I, and I've experienced it, is we could be filled with resentment, bitterness, and, and of course, rejection. You know, and it can come from many different ways. But I think once we understand that formula or what happens to us, we can counterattack. We can forgive. We can fill ourselves up with other things. Mm -hmm. And realize that we're not in control of other people. Right. People are in control of themselves. That's right. If it be possible, be at peace with all. It's a tough reality. And so we have to take that as it is. I mean, even Judas was one of the, one of the betrayers. He actually uh, you know, did, did Jesus in, you know. Jesus picked him. He was the treasure. Stealing out of the person and everything. So as we look at the different temperaments and different people in our lives, we have to understand that they have to work out their salvation too. That's right. They have the same choice that I do. But where are we all heading? Where are we going? What is the end result? I love what Joanne says. What's the end result in, the, in, a, in, a, in a crisis or something? What is the end result? We got through COVID, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to get through, we got through a hurricane. We sure did. I remember that. That's Just fine. recently. You know, it's interesting, there was a microburst storm a couple of years ago, maybe, I don't know exactly, one, maybe three years ago. That tree fell on my house. That's right. While I was doing mikvahs. That's right. And I had to cancel mikvahs last year because of hurricanes. Crazy, right? Yeah, because hurricane season goes till November, but here this thing was September. It came up. Thank God, you know, none of us were injured or hurt. So that's that's that whole portion where they're faithful and faithful servants. Boy, maybe it's part of the new building we should build a mikvah. Indoor mikvah. You know, know. Did you bring that up? Right no, I didn't bring that up. I, I think I'm going to go out here and I'm going to talk to Timothy right after this. Uh, Timothy, I want to add a lap pool. <laughs> a mikvah. <laughs> what do you got for me? All right, so my first point is be prepared for Yeshua's return. Don't get prepared. Be prepared. Wow. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Amen? That's good. And number two, I said ask the question. Is now the time that you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? That's good. Wow. It's happening. I think... Uh, think about it. All these people coming out of the nations that aren't Jewish? With Torah and... Wow. I have to say, I think that if people were to really ponder this, they might, in their hearts, be a little disappointed because I think that they imagine what Yeshua is coming to do will be different than what he's coming to do. Right. Because it requires you to have a few things. Number one, you have to love Israel. Like have a love for Israel, the people of Israel, the people of God, right? A love for God's kingdom on earth, right? Setting things in order here. Um, and if you, can, if you can start doing the spiritual exercises that bring you into a love for those things, then you'll align yourself with the will of God and what he's doing. Um, 
because that's what he's going to do. He's going to come and restore the kingdom to Israel. It's powerful. And, and I'm telling you, as, as more you get into prayer and the word and worship, you're going to come out of this culture and you're going to be, you're going to be you know, it's like the matrix. Yep. What world do you live in? So this is, we're coming into part three of our Olivet Discourse series, right? And next week we're doing chapter 25, yeah. which continues the Olivet Discourse. It does. And gets us into the Fuller's Virgin and the yeah. Bible of the Talents. It does. Are we splitting those? No, we're going to have those together. We're going to do both, okay. It's 30 verses. We could do it. Oh, yeah, it's not that bad. It, it's really good when you think. I'm really convicted, you know. I've been, you know, we can talk about that next week. But, yeah, I'm really convicted about that whole talent thing, you know. Oh, yeah. Because he gives according to everyone's, you know, yeah. ability. That's right. So my two points is be ready as if the Messiah could come back any day. Amen. We're on the same page there. You are who you are when you're alone. That's number one. Be ready as if the Messiah could come back any day. Number two, continue to be faithful to the vision that he has given you. Amen. Amen. That's all I have. It's like uh, continue to be faithful to the vision that he has given you. When you don't have new instructions, go back to the old instructions and yeah. execute. Great commission. Cool. So you want to pray? Father, we love you. We thank you so much. We thank you, God, that you're giving us the, the answers to the test, Lord. And so may we use our open book as we do the test. Because life is an open book test, God. We pray that you'll fill us with your spirit and give us peace and direction through your word and through our prayer and through our worship. We love you. We thank you in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. 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 All right. If you guys want to reach out to me, just continue the conversation uh, in the comments. Uh, please like and subscribe on whatever platform that you're on and uh, share on social media. Share with your friends and family, um, you know, and all those good things that help us get the word out. Yes. And bless you guys. Have a great week.